Are you guys all ready? Yeah. No, you're not. My good. Are you all ready? Yeah, because we're gonna we're going through a new series, and we I talk about this fairly often, but we need to expect the miraculous when we come to church. We need to expect God to do something miraculous in our own personal lives in this church. And throughout this series, that's what we're going to expect. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you can expect God to do miraculous things in your life so that you move to that next stage, that next level, that next step in your walk with Jesus Christ. That's the goal here. So we're kicking off a new series this morning called A Work in Progress. That's you and that's me. Right? It's a great, it's, it's fantastic too. What I love about the Christian life, honestly, since I was a baby Christian, was that who I am today is not who I'm going to be tomorrow, a year from now, ten years from now. I love the fact that if you met someone who knew me when I was a teenager, and you, see, you said, describe Jeff Greer if you will, and they would describe a completely different person than who you know. Completely different. Because of what God has done in my life. Because we're on a spiritual journey. And just no one can tag you, okay, and say, this is what you are. This is who you are. This is what you're like. This is what you're afraid of. They can't do that to a Christian. Because they're constantly being conformed to the image of Christ. That's what I love about it. So I want you to be prepared. I really want you to be prepared. You're not coming to a church service to hear some music and then you hear somebody say something, you leave here. You ha- you're coming to have your life transformed and you have to expect God to do something miraculous in your personal life, in your family, at your job, whatever it is. Expect it. Expect it. Have the faith to expect it. Now, a good way to think about this series is this. God, people say, well, God accepts me as I am. A good way to think about this series is that, yes, God accepts you as you are, but he doesn't want you to stay as you are. Right? God accepts you where you are right now. Maybe this is your first time ever coming to church. You haven't been to church in so long. Maybe it's since you were a child and you're like, man, I'm not even, I'm not even sure why I'm here. That's okay. God accepts you as you are. The building's not going to collapse because you're here. Okay? There are a lot of, there are a lot of people around you who would collapse before than, than you being here. Alright? It doesn't matter where you are. God will take you from where you are and bring you to where you need to be, conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. So we broke down, in this series, I broke down people spiritually into four different categories. Right? We got them right here on the thing. We got, we got exploring Christ, growing in Christ, close to Christ, and Christ-centered. And exploring Christ are those people who are more seekers. They're in the early stages of spiritual growth. And then the the growing in Christ are early stages of spiritual growth and intermediate stages of spiritual growth. And then close to Christ is intermediate stages of spiritual growth to advance. Okay, and then Christ-centered is really spirit. You're you're more spiritually mature. You're more advanced in your spiritual growth. And we have all these. And and throughout this series, honestly, you can email me, and I want you to email me and say, okay, I feel like I'm kind of I'm kind of here. I'm growing in Christ. What books can I read that will help me get to that next step? Email me. I'll send you a list of some books that you can read this year. All right? That will help you move to that next level. Some things that you can do to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. 
We are not going to be the same people, okay, after this series is over. We are going to be growing. We're going to be, we're going to be dynamic, growing in Christ. That's what we want. That's what we desire. So I'll describe these in more detail as we go through this series. The goal, again, is to move everyone forward, to get everyone to take that, that next step, to help you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, understand something. He's going somewhere. Understand that? It, you're following Christ, which means Jesus is going somewhere and you need to follow him in your walk with him. So you want to grow in him. God wants us, honestly, during this series, to test our limits. He wants us, you say, well, ah, I'm not really sure. He wants you to test your limits. He wants, to, he wants us to challenge ourselves to live without boundaries. Part of the reason we're stuck where we are in our spiritual walk is because we limit ourselves and what we think God can do. You've got to ask yourself during this series, how big is your God? How big is your God? Remember we talked about if we, have, if we lack faith, if we lack that faith, we can't expect God to do miraculous things in our lives because we lack that faith that he can do it. How big is your God? God wants you to live without boundaries. And he, makes, he wants to make sure that you never linger too long in one place spiritually. Never linger too long, okay? Because it, you can move quickly from this step to this step. Honestly, from this step to this step. You can move pretty quickly. This to this here a little longer a little more there's a little more depth things that you're gonna things you have to dig down deep and ask the holy spirit to work on your life but you need to move you need to constantly be moving along in your christian walk you wonder why am i still why do i have so much fear in my life why why am i so stressed all the time why do i feel so much burden and, and i feel overwhelmed and i don't know if i can handle it it's because spiritually you may be he, you may be not even here but as you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you begin to look at the world differently. You see things from an eternal perspective, not a temporal perspective. The things you used to fear, you no longer fear because you realize who lives in you. And the actual power that you have in your life. Your goal is to accomplish. Your goal is to accomplish what God has put placed in you. And in order to do that, honestly, we need to learn some spiritual disciplines. We have lost the ability in our culture today, in our Christian culture. Spiritual discipline is lost for most people. If it doesn't come easy, we don't want it. That's not going to work. And we'll walk through what it means to have some of those spirit, what it means to fast. Why do we fast? Have some of those spiritual disciplines built into what we're talking about here. In today's church, okay, honestly, we have a warped view of spiritual growth. We really do. Over the past 20 years or 30 years, we've gotten a warped view of spiritual growth. We act like baby birds waiting for their parents to feed them. You ever watch, you all seen nests of baby birds, right? The parent lands on the branch, all the, the mouths go open, right? And they're just like, feed me, feed me, feed me. Well, that's fine in the very beginning. But at a certain point, okay, that's not how it works, you can still, you're, you know, we're, you, you can still be fed, but you need to learn to feed yourself. Being fed spiritually is not wrong, but it's only a small part of your spiritual growth. You will be limited in how you can grow if you're just that baby bird waiting for someone to feed you constantly. You need to feed yourself. And Kevin, Pastor Kevin, 
in second service is doing a 202 class. We have 101, 201, 301, 401, 501. Well, 202 is kind of a, a, a growing out of 201. And it's going to teach you some of those spiritual disciplines. So... He'll have that class over here in the, in the hive, second service, okay, second service. You want to hang around? And if you, if you say, well, I, I didn't really prepare for that, that's fine. Jump in next week, okay? Jump in next week. You can jump in at any point in that class. So jump into Kevin's uh, 202 class that starts today, second service. Now, here's what I want to address this morning. Here's the question I want us to address this morning. Whose responsibility is it for your spiritual growth? Who's responsible for your spiritual growth? That's the question you need to be asking yourself. When you are finished, and I'm going to walk through these, I'm going to walk through some of these theological thoughts, okay? When, when you were finished um, exploring Christ, you were a seeker, you come to church, you're asking questions, we go through apologetics, how to defend your faith, and as, answering some of those really tough questions, and you've been here for that, and all of a sudden you decide, you know, I, I want to know Christ. So when you were finished exploring Christ, and you gave your life to Jesus Christ, and you committed, you made that commitment to follow him, you were what the Bible calls justified. Okay, justify. These are important. You can write them down. Okay, justify. And a way to remember what justification is or justified is just as if I'd never sinned. Okay, so when you gave your life to Christ, he has this, it's like this giant, uh, just chalkboard. And every sin you've ever committed is on this chalkboard. And God comes along and erases the entire chalkboard. And you get to start over. It's a, your life's a do-over. Your sins have been forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, God has separated you from your sins. God has chosen to forget them. Okay, understand that. He forgets them. So when you're still, oh, I feel so bad about whatever. If you've asked for forgiveness and God has forgiven, you've been justified. God has forgotten those sins in the past. You have become a new creation. The new has, the new has come. The old has gone. You are new in Christ. You're a child of God. You've been adopted into his family. So, so once we've come to Christ, The seed, the seed, this is important, the seed has been planted in your heart. And we strive, once God comes in and plants that seed in our hearts, we strive to become more like Him each and every day. That's the goal. You've been justified, now you strive to become more like Christ each and every day. That's part of spiritual growth. That's also called sanctification. Okay, justification is a one time event. You gave your life to Christ and you were sealed. Okay, the Holy Spirit sealed you. What that means is it's like the king has a signet ring. And, you know, in the movies where you have an envelope and the seal seal is like some wax and he puts the signet ring in the wax and it's sealed and no one breaks that seal. Okay. It's sealed by the king. You have been sealed by the king. You have been justified. Then that, that's a one-time event. Sanctification, though, is an ongoing process of spiritual growth. Sanctification. So everybody who's given their lives to Christ this morning, you're in the process of sanctification. When you die, you get a, you're glorification. It's glorification. You're a glorified body. You become like Christ, if you will. Okay? You get the mind of Christ. There's perfection. That's after death. So you get justification, sanctification, glorification after death. But sanctification is the process that we're in now. And it's that spiritual growth. How do I continue to grow spiritually? 
The Bible is absolutely clear that the Christian life is anything but, okay, a passive pursuit. It's not a passive pursuit. The Christian life is a diligent pursuit. It's, it's a zealous pursuit. It's a passionate pursuit of Jesus Christ. Sanctification. How do I, it's like, it's like a race. You know how they talk about money? Whoever has the most money when you die wins kind of thing. All right. But put that away. Whoever's most like Jesus before we die wins. All right. That's a, that's a, I'm, I'm competing against you. All right. Just for fun. Whoever's the most like Jesus before we die wins. All right. All right. So we can walk around. Now, not spiritual pride. That's, that's the goal, if you will. The goal is not to compete against each other. The goal, okay, is really to compete against yourself. To overcome those things that are holding you back and to become more like Jesus Christ. And it's awesome. And instead of, instead of making it turn into something like, oh, it's such a burden. And I don't know if I could overcome. Look at it as it's something you're going to be doing your entire life. It's something you're striving for. And the cool thing is, the cool thing is, when we fall short in that striving, when we fall short of trying to become more like Christ, and we, and we sin, we go to the Father, we go, we go to Christ and ask for forgiveness. And through Christ, we're forgiven. And we start over again. It's like, do over, do over every single day. Every single day. So you don't have to be carrying around a burden. When you make a mistake, when you fall short, you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you. He forgives you and you move on. So God calls us to strive every day, every single day, okay, to become more like Christ. That is that is what Christianity is all about. That we want to become more like Jesus Christ each and every day in our thoughts, Right? In our thoughts and in our actions. How we treat other people. How we respond. Look at some of these passages. In Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10, it tells us to be, be all the more diligent. Every single day, be all the more diligent. And then in, and then in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, it says this. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, you guys know how we do this. I, I say get it, and you say, and I say good, right? So we're going to do that a little bit this morning, all right? So what we want to do is we want to run to get the prize. Each one of us wants to diligently, we want to prepare ourselves. Nobody runs a, a long-distance race without preparation. We want to constantly prepare so that we can run to win the prize, which is glorification, right? To win that prize, to become more like Jesus Christ. So let's stop and reflect just for a second what we just talked about. First off, um, people can invest in you spiritually. I am investing in you spiritually right now. You, discipleship is a good thing. Okay? It's a good thing. But, we need to take ownership of our faith. Each, each one here, every single person here, coming to church on Sunday mornings is great. The Bible tells us, let's stop, let's not stop meeting together. You need to come. You need to get the fellowship and get invested and that's good. But we need to take ownership of our own faith. We cannot be the baby birds where the pastor or someone else in your Bible study is the mom and you have your mouth open for the next 40 years and the only time you ever get fed is when someone pours something in. You need to be pouring it in constantly to yourself. You need to be growing constantly. You need to be, you need to take ownership of your own faith. I can coach you, not that I'm a great runner. I'm just saying, just pretend I am. I can coach you, okay? I can coach you on how to run. 
and techniques or whatever else. But I cannot run the race for you. I can't practice for you. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to run. I want you to keep your legs this way. I want you to swing your arms that way. People who are runners are probably laughing at me. But, you know, whatever you're supposed to do, keep your head up, down, whatever you're supposed to do, I can tell you what to do as a coach. But I cannot practice for you, okay? I, don't, I can't give you the heart to want to win that race. I, I can't do that for you. You have to run your own race. It's your race. It's, it's God has put it into your life. It's your life. It's your purpose. You need to run that race on your own. Get it? Good. Okay, so that's important. That's important. So we know that the Bible commands us to passionately pursue Christ-likeness. All right? We know that. Commands every one of us to... We should personally, passionately pursue Christ-likeness. But God doesn't expect us to do it alone. He doesn't expect us to do it alone. Because some of you are like, man, I'm tired already. Dude, calm down. <laughs> you know? I'm already, I'm already tired. God doesn't expect you to do it on your own. He, he is also involved in our growth. As a, ma- as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, He is the driving force behind sanctification. I'm not. You're not. God is the driving force behind the sanctification. He was the reason that you are saved. His ju- justification is by God alone, okay? He is the one who justifies. He is the one who sanctifies. So it is basically God, okay? It is the driving force. He is a driving force behind our sanctification. So, so how does then the question come, how does my effort... Okay, how does my effort and the sovereignty of God work together to make me complete in Christ? Because that's the goal, right? We want to have we want to be Christ centered. We want to be spiritually mature. And then ultimately, we want to be complete in Christ. Well, in Philippians chapter two, verses 12 and 13, Paul lays out a spiritual paradox. All right. And it says this. Therefore, my dear friends. As you have already obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Listen to this. Continue, write this down, to work work out. Write that word down, those words. Work out. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according, uh, in order to fulfill his good purpose. Let me read that again. Okay, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Paul sees sanctification as a two-sided coin. Okay, A two-sided coin. And not only that, he first focuses on the believer's role in sanctification. Now, this is extremely important, okay? Not to get people confused. Extremely important. He's not saying to work for your salvation. It's not what he said. Salvation comes through God alone, all right? He didn't say work for your salvation. Paul's not talking about attaining salvation by your own effort, by your own good works. That's not what he's talking, it's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about living out the life that God gives us through his grace. We live that out through his grace. It makes it very simple, very simple. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, this is what Paul wrote. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. 
This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. No one is getting to heaven by their own good works. You cannot be good enough to earn your way to heaven. Not possible. That's why Jesus Christ had to come and die on a cross. His blood completely covers you. Okay, when God the Father sees you now, here's you, okay, here's God the Father, here's you, and Jesus is standing right in front of you. He doesn't see you anymore. You say, well, I'm all messed up. Boy, I'm on my past and my present. I'm not. You're preaching to the wrong person. No, I'm not. Because if you give your life to Christ and you are justified, okay, God the Father doesn't see you. He only sees Christ. And Christ covers you. That's why when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name. Right? That's why we do that. We say in Jesus' name, because Christ covers us. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith alone, hear me out, okay? Faith alone has always, always, always been God's plan for salvation. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, it says this. By faith, Moses, Old Testament, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. Because they saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, faith, when Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Looking ahead. Even in the Old Testament, people were saved by the grace of God, not by works. By the grace of God. They were under God's grace. So faith alone, faith alone, according to the Bible, brings salvation. My professor used to put it this way. He said, faith plus nothing equals salvation equals works. Faith plus nothing equals salvation. Works is an expression of saving faith. When I am truly saved, when the Holy Spirit truly lives in me, I will bear fruit. Faith plus nothing equals salvation equals works. Not faith plus works equals salvation. My works. You know, people say, well, you know, for Christians, when they serve, they want to serve, they want to serve. I don't serve God because I'm afraid of God. I don't serve God because I think if I don't do it, he's going to get me. I'm not obedient to God because I'm afraid of something. I'm obedient to God because I love him so much because of what he did for me through the grace of God, what Jesus Christ did for me coming to earth. I love him so much. I recognize what he's done for me and I desire to be obedient to him. So when the word of God says, go and serve your neighbor, go and love your neighbor, you know, care about orphans and widows, I do it not because I'm afraid. If I don't do it, I'm not going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. I do it because I love him so much that I'm going to work out my salvation. I'm going to work it out. So good works... Good works are an expression of saving faith. Good works are an expression of saving faith. Get it? Now, get it? 
Good. That's really important, okay? Really important as we grow here. So, salvation is from God alone. Yet now in Philippians chapter 2 in verse 12, Paul focuses... He focuses the responsibility of believers, okay? He he wants to focus on the responsibility of believers to live out that faith consistently because of the divine gift that we've been given. Because he points that out. We know we're saved by faith alone, okay? But he's saying, hey, he's saying, listen, he wants to focus on the responsibility of believers to live out a consistent walk in Jesus Christ. He says, work out your salvation, Work out your salvation. Now, this is cool. Put on, put on, this is, this is cool hat. And I, and if you think it's not cool, I'm a pastor nerd who loves theology, okay? But if you don't think this is cool, something's wrong with you. Alright, so, so I'm, I'm reading through this. No, this is good stuff, man. It's like, oh, wait, wait. Now, now I set it up and you're like, that wasn't so cool. No, it's cooler than I'm actually saying, okay? It's even cooler than I'm saying. There was an, in, in ancient Rome, we're talking about Paul saying, work out. What does that mean? Well, there was a, there was an ancient scholar by the name of Strabo, okay? He was a Roman scholar, and he lived 60 years before Jesus, alright? So, he recorded an account. He recorded, he wrote this down, an account concerning Roman, the Roman mines that they owned in Spain. Okay, he's talking about Roman mines that were, were owned by the Romans that were in Spain. And he uses the same, he uses the very same Greek verb that Paul does in chapter 2, verse 12. Katergazomai. Katergazomai is the word, the verb that he uses, okay? And you think, oh, wow, that was a big thing. No, it's really cool. Because what that word, what that word actually, what that word actually means, what he's referring to here is the Romans working out in the mind. They're working out in the mind. And here's what he means by that, alright? Strabo was saying that the Romans were extracting from within the mind. They were extracting from within the mines all the richness and value that were already hidden in the mine. So they were working out all the riches. They were working out all the value. They were working out all the treasure that was already hidden in that mine. So Paul is saying that we need to mine out, okay? We need to work out all the spiritual riches, all the spiritual value, all the spiritual, all the spiritual, you know, treasure, if you will, that God has already deposited, that God has already planted in you. When you, so justification, when justification happened, he planted all of this, this treasure, this spiritual value, all this in us already. Now, if you're, if your mind's working ahead, just start thinking about what that means, okay? What does that mean? Let that just sink in. Let it sink in for a second. All the spiritual riches, all the spiritual treasure, All the spiritual value, everything you need to become more like Jesus Christ, God has deposited, already deposited, God has already planted them within you. Everyone here. Everyone here who knows Christ. He's already planted them in you, okay? Now, I know know now mining them out sometimes becomes painstaking. It's hard. It's in there. It's in there to overcome that habit or that that hang up or that hurt that you have in your life. That's painstaking to work that out. Okay, to work it out, to become, to grow. 
I know it's difficult. When I was younger, um, when I was probably like 10, 11, 12 years old, around that age. Um, now, a lot of you won't recognize this because you have Rumkey and they take all your garbage away. But um, this was back in the 1970s. And we had garbage people back in the 1970s. We had sanitation workers uh, back in the 1970s. All right. But before that, years before that, they would just take their trash out back and bury it in a big hole. Right? And you think, oh, that's gross. But here's the cool thing. They would get all kinds of bottles and cool stuff. They'd t- throw their trash out. And if you found a bottle dump, they would dump all the bottles in one place. You could mine out these bottles that were so cool. Okay, you know ball bottles, the old ones that are really cool, Kerr and ball bottles. But you could find, I found, I found an Abraham Lincoln like Abraham Lincoln bottle. I found a phone. It was really like an old phone. You know what I mean? Made out of glass. And what we would do is we would try to mine it out of there slowly. It was painstaking because you see the top of it and you're like, it was almost like, you know, you're, you're buried treasure. Especially when you're like 10, 11, 12 years old and you find cool stuff like that. Actually, they were very valuable. But we, we sold them too. Made a lot of money. Um, but... <laughs> So we, 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 so you see the bottle, it would be halfway out of the ground, and you pull it out like two days ago with different things, and they're broken on the bottom, like, oh. So you'd slowly, you couldn't just pull it out of the ground, it would break. So you had to slowly go in and mine it out. It was in there, it was in there, you just, you had to get it out. You had to mine it out. But it was painstaking. It's painstaking. Okay, sometimes to work out your salvation the way the scripture lays it out, to work it out. God has planted a seed in us and and it's like it's that we need to work it out. I want you, if you would take out your little seed that you were given when you first came in, take that out, take that out. I want you to I want you to look at that seed. All right. If you didn't get a seed, you'll get one on the way out because I want every time you come during this series, I'm giving you something. Okay, to remember the theory, to remember that sermon. So this is your seed. If you lost your seed, you're out of luck. Now, if you lost your seed, go, <laughs> some of you ate your seed, didn't you? You're like, oh, a sunflower seed. <laughs> you can still have another. We're under grace here. And so you can have another seed. All right. So I want you to look at that. Now, here's the cool thing. Everything, everything you need, everything you need to grow a beautiful sunflower is in that seed. God has in genetically put in that seed everything you need to grow a sunflower now in your hand you could sit there for forever it's not going to grow a sunflower but if you cultivate it right if you do if you if you if you work it out if you do what you need to do it, it everything that that you need to to grow a beautiful sunflower is right in your hand it's right there it's all there. We just need to. We just need that. We need to bring it out. Think about it. God. Think about. I thought about this too. God has genetically encoded. Okay, the, all the material necessary to grow a gigantic oak tree. In in one little seed. I have oak trees in my yard, and they, they drop those. You know the seeds. Everything. Everything to grow a gigantic powerful oak tree is in that seed it's so cool to think about it just needs to start working it out in the same way the christian gets his energy to grow in faith to grow in our faith from god 
from God. It's there. It's, it's, it's all there. The faith from within. Think about this. The faith from, the, the faith to, is in to be holy, to be righteous, right? To, to bear fruit, to be fruit bearing. It's, it's there. It's already there to live a pleasing life to God. All of it is there. It's, it comes from, it comes from within. It comes from God's spirit and it comes from God's word. It comes from God's word as we, God has planted it there. And as we then nurture it, as we nurture, as we read the word of God and we grow in the word of God and we, we dig into the word of God. It's there. God has planted it in us. Work out. The riches that's already there. Work out the value, the wealth that's already there. It's there. You just need to work it out through the Word of God and through the Spirit of God. Everything you need, think about this, everything that you need to, to go from growing, from, from growing in Christ to Christ-centered is planted in you. Everything you need to overcome your past is planted in you. Everything you need to overcome that fear in your life is planted in you. Everything you need to deal with that present struggle in your life is planted in you. Think about that for a second. This is why I was getting all giddy before. Everything that you need is planted in you. God has put in you. And this isn't about pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps and you got it in you and it's all self-help. Not at all. What I'm saying is that God has planted in you through Jesus Christ, through the power of the resurrection, through the Holy Spirit of God, through his word that is written on your heart. It's planted in there. And as we read the word of God, we nurture it. We have that seed and that seed begins to grow. Achieving spiritual maturity and emotional maturity is already planted in you. It's already planted in you. I don't know about you, but that excites me. You could be, you could be exploring Christ right now. That should excite you because when you give your life to Christ, it's infused, if you will. It's there. You just need to work out, mine out all that God has planted in you. We need to work it out. We work it out. Let me say this again. We work it out. One of the best ways to work it out is to read the word of God. And I just read it, guys. There's a difference between just reading. You can read and you'll, you'll grow, okay? But you need to study. You need to study the word of God. You need to get in there and just devour it, if you will. Tear it all to pieces. Figure out why it says. When you, when you come across a passage and go, I don't understand that. And Christians, again, spiritual discipline. I don't understand that. It's really hard. And that's it. You just turn off. For goodness sake. Really? You tell your teacher that. Well, I don't understand that math problem. I'm done. No, it's all. It's, I'm done. I don't get what he was saying there. I'm finished. See, he, he, the kid's all upset about it, right? <laughs> he's upset at you guys for even thinking that. He's like, man, is this, the way, is this the way I have to look forward to? A bunch of people won't dig into the Word of God? I hear you, kid. I hear you. Man, man. It's exactly, I, I just don't want to cry about it, but I'm just trying to... Uh, we need to work that out. We need to read the Word of God. We need to study the Word of God. We need to devour the Word of God. Psalm 1, 2, and 3 says this. But those, but those delight in the law of the Lord. 
It's us. Who is it, okay? Who's going to grow? Who's going to become the person that God designed them to be? The person who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. You want to be successful spiritually? You want to be successful, period? Whatever they do prospers. God has planted in your heart his riches his treasure his truth and now it's up to us to mine it out to work out our salvation this is good stuff man because it's not you that's going to do it alone when you start to do it God infuses and infuses the Holy Spirit works with you the Holy Spirit walks alongside you the Holy Spirit walks in front of you carries you it's God who ultimately works out sanctification in your life. But you have, a, you have a part in that. You have a part in that. Get it? Good. Okay, so, so we are fully responsible. We are fully responsible. And we are fully dependent on God. That makes sense? Yeah, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, uh, uh, to me too. So I wrote, I wrote, I got this, G, I'm reading a book called Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton. And G.K. Chesterton, in his book Orthodoxy, said this, to accept everything is an exercise, to understand everything, a strain. Right? I always say, Deuteronomy 29, to take the 29th if you're like overwhelmed. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children. There are certain things we're never going to totally understand. But here's the cool thing about that. God likes to dangle things up here, okay, that he wants you to, he wants you to try to figure out. I was standing in the foyer um, uh, a couple weeks ago, and a young man, loving to death, he was really was great. And he came up to me and asked a very simple question. Can you explain the Trinity to me? I said, well, sure, I can explain the Trinity. You know, and after that, I'll explain, I'll explain the sovereignty of God and the free will of man all in one big thing. Okay. Can you explain the Trinity? And I went through and explained it the best I could, but I have a finite mind. I don't have an infinite mind. So there's certain things. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children. All right? So I explained it the best I could, but here's the cool part of this whole thing. You say, well, you're never going to totally understand the Trinity. You're never going to un- totally understand the sovereignty of God and the free will of man, how it all works together. That's not the point. The point is he holds it out and you go for it, okay? And there will be a ceiling, okay, between justification, sanctification, and glorification when you get to heaven. When you get a glorified body, you'll understand, oh, the Trinity, what a piece of cake, Right? Right now, you're working toward. But here's the thing. You may, you may get there and never achieve total understanding of what the, some of the, what the Word of God says. Now, for me, that explains, that, that helps me understand that the Word of God is true and that God is real. You know why? Because if I could understand everything in that book, would you believe it? I know a bunch of people just sat down and wrote it. But I can't, there's certain things I don't understand. That builds my faith. Doesn't weaken my faith. God holds it out. I get there. But here's the cool thing. I've learned so much along the way. I've learned so much along the way. And when I get a glorified body and I'm, and I'm, I'm holding Christ, I'll understand it all. But you don't go, oh, I don't understand that. This, whatever. No, you keep searching. You and realize you're never going to totally understand it. But the search, the journey is the exciting part, isn't it? 
It's the journey, okay? The destinations are we're already, we're already, we're getting there. If you know Christ, you're, you're sealed. It's been sealed. It's the journey that is so dynamic. Like even this Sunday, I learned new things I didn't know. Honestly, I didn't know before. Certain quotes and certain things and certain little nuances that I never really thought about. It never ends. The journey is, that's what's so great about the Christian faith. It's the journey. It's the journey. So you may never totally get there, but man, it's worth it. Because here's what happens. You get above the clouds and, you, and God, you think you're going here, but you're not. God wants you to look to the right or he wants you to look to the left and go, oh, 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 there's, there's my path. But I never known that path was there until I got my head out of the fog, until I got my head out of the clouds. That's why the journey is so, so important. So we may not totally comprehend the paradox, but we can rest. We can rest ourselves in God's infinite wisdom and respond in obedience to his call and commands. I don't need to understand everything he tells me in order to respond to in obedience to his call in my life and his commands in my life. God gives you a vision. He never, ever gives you all the details of how to get there. If he did... I'm not being rude or anything, but half of us would wet our pants and not even want to try. If he told you how hard it was going to be, we would be like, just forget it. I can't do that. And you're right, you can't, but he can. He gives you what you need to accomplish the vision he puts in front of you. But he's not going to give you all the details. Just like he's not going to give you all the details of everything, but it's worth it because you go on this journey and that's where you get so much richness and that's where you grow in your faith. You're going to have all the answers when this life is over. But right now, let's just seek as many as we can and just get closer to him and use some spiritual discipline. And when God says jump, you say, exactly. I don't have to give you all the answers. Don't run in the road. Why? Why can't I play in the road? Because I told you so. When they're younger, that's what. Seriously? God says do it. I do it. I don't need to have all the answers. Well, go down this road. I don't know what's down that road. I didn't ask you if you knew it was down that road. I said go down this road. I said jump. You say exactly. That's the way of faith. That's the way of miracles. Okay, that's the way of living a dynamic life. That's the way to avoid mediocrity in your Christian walk. That's the way to avoid saying Christianity is boring. This is all boring. I say this all the time. I say it again. Christianity is not boring. Who's boring? You are. God's not boring. I'm boring. We're boring. God is dynamic. God wants to do miracles. We just need to follow his lead. This is a series with some specific goals, okay, to help you work out your salvation. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, that doesn't matter. We want to get you to that next place. We want you to move along on your spiritual journey. We want to help you become the person. Listen, this is important. We want to help you become the person that you were created and designed to be. That's the goal. And we're going to get there. Working together, we're going to get there. As we close, let me share a few things that we want to offer you during this series. One, we talked about Kevin's class in second service. That's going to start today. Second, 101, 101 through 501, 101 starts today after second service, after the second service, in the hive, okay? So we'll be in the hive. This is a, this room right behind this wall back here. We'll be in the hive and we'll go through 101. You go through 101, then 201, 301, 401, 501. That's the foundation of your faith. So that's another thing we're going to do. 
Um, David also brought up a time with God. Let me explain this to you. So we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna go meet in here on Wednesdays for you know until I think believe April right around Easter from five to seven. Okay, it isn't two hours unless you want it to be. You can come in here for fifteen minutes if you want to. It's going to be open from 5 to 7. You get off work, you want to come here for 15 minutes, okay, and just spend time in the Word, just quietly. When you walk through that door, no one's going to be speaking. There is no speaking. There is no fellowshipping except with you and God. Some light music playing, reading the Word of God. We'll give you some, some, some specific readings for you, some reflections if you'd like to do that. Or you can just come in here and just pray. And you can come in here and not just pray, but listen. You say, I can't hear God. Maybe because you're so busy, you don't have time. You come in here 5 to 7. Anytime, you can come at 6.40 if you want to and stay to 7. This is your time. And we'll be in here quietly, just spending time. Be still and know that I am God. And then again, there will be books that I have. I have a lot of different books for every stage. And I want you to ask me, you email me, tell me where you think you are in your spiritual journey, okay? And I'll have specific books I'd like you to read to help you grow in your faith, okay? So we'll do this together. But most of all, we have to understand, as we work out our salvation, it is God, okay, who works through us. It is God who will be the one to truly help us to grow. So don't think you're doing this on your own. We'll work together as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. But ultimately, it is God who will help us achieve each of these goals. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this awesome day you've given to us. Thanks so much for the opportunity to be here together. And God, I pray, I pray, Lord God, that we may have gotten some in some deep theological discussion, but this isn't beyond any of us. Because you're going to take us where we are and take us to where we need to be. So God, I don't care if a person's come to church for the first time in their lives. That's a good starting point. Or someone's been a Christian for 50 years. That's a good starting point. Let's move on. Let's move from where we are to where you want us to be. That's the goal of this series, dear God. And we're going to, we're going to diligently pursue, passionately pursue growing closer to your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.